Welcome to Neoweek Audio, a collection of podcasts and Twitter spaces produced and curated by Neoweek, the number one news and community platform for the Neo Protocol and the Aurora ecosystem. At neoweek.com slash podcasts, you can find every interesting audio piece from the community in one place. We curate content on topics such as DeFi, NFTs, gaming, DAOs, community hangouts, and more. Basically, we got you covered near fam. And without further ado, let's dig in. How's it going? Looks like we got ABB in the audience. Someone else? Hey, what's up? Uh, how's the audio? Yeah, sounds good. You sound uh, sound good on my end. I hope everyone's able to hear okay. Um, we're tuning in from Thailand, so the internet connection may be a little bit shaky, but we're, uh, we're doing the best we can. But you sound good, Brandon, so hopefully we sound good to everyone else. Yeah, it's definitely a thing. Trying to find a stable internet connections in some other cities. I think some fare better than others generally, but interesting for a life of a digital nomad. What are the best places to go for the internet connection? How can you stay connected yet travel, go to cool places? Yeah, I feel like if you're anywhere for any extended amount of time, you have to like get your own internet service set up maybe like get a router and shit and pay for it. But cafes could like possibly do the trick, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like the best long-term. Bro, you think that the internet connection for a Twitter space is bad? Try uploading a 13 gigabyte YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's rough. For real. Uh, I think we had a conversation about it at the, was it the Heart of Darkness place? You were talking about get, getting a van, going out to like New Zealand or, 
and getting like Starlink or something, just like somehow finding a way to like stay connected via internet, satellite internet. That would be amazing for like the life of a, you know, builder developer. Just yeah. bring a, bring a um, satellite with you and your carry on everywhere you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, shout out to Starlink and, and SpaceX actually just saw the same partnership for Australia as well. So they will be offering like a hundred percent coverage, I think from 2024. So yeah, if, if you do go the, the van life, at least you'll have top notch internet. Wait, you know what you need to do? Among, What's that? Among your other, you know, personal preference and requirements, you should add to your Tinder bio that you're looking for someone with like <laughs> high internet speeds. And then you can do all your <laughs> downloading and offloading at the same time. Oh, that's yeah, a good that's, one. Yeah, that's a good. That's a a good idea. I'll, I'll include that. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, guys. Um, refresh here from near APEC. It was a week of fun for most. Unfortunately for myself, I only had a few days in Ho Chi Minh had an issue with my visa. Um, I think that was actually a pretty common occurrence for many people that are attending Vietnam for the first time. They have a uh, pretty outdated visa process. Uh, it takes a lot of days for things to go through. And unfortunately, when I submitted my visa, it was during a holiday. And so there was one little error. That error ended up causing, my fl causing me to miss my flight. Um, so instead of arriving on Tuesday, I arrived on effectively Saturday, Friday at midnight. Um, so that was a bummer, but we didn't let it get in our way. Brandon was there from the jump and I'd love to hear Brandon, just from your perspective, how did the conference kick off? What was, uh, what was it like at the start? And then we can kind of go in from there where I actually have some skin in the game. Well, I'd say it kicked off really well. There was a there was a ton of people there in the beginning, especially when I came. I came a couple hours into the start, but there was quite a bit of people in the booths. A lot of people. Um, I don't know if we mentioned it yet, but there seemed to be a lot of students and younger people at the conference. It seemed like you know a lot were close by and they came, um, interested in seeing what they were throwing. This was also this venue was connected to the mall so there was a lot of people there as well around so it was it was pretty packed more than i thought it was going to be got it and yeah i think that's like the biggest um probably the biggest difference for the near apac conference versus any other crypto um web3 conference that i've attended usually when you go everyone that's attending is there because they're in the industry they're investors, their builders, exchange operators, you know, everything that it takes for the crypto industry to operate. Those are the people that are going to be at these conferences. But for near APAC, it was entirely different. It was a ton of young people like students, uh, college students, and they were able to attend and probably get their, you know, one of their first touches into crypto. Um, so I think that's, that's pretty pretty cool actually i think that, that might be more beneficial in terms of onboarding new people but it of course adds its own set of um circumstances and and difficulties to approach as well because these aren't people that are coming with a birth of of knowledge about near or web3 as a whole well i i find it a bit hard to generalize because there were twenty thousand people and uh Something that, you know, people in Vietnam have is that everyone looks very youthful. <laughs> so I guess that we're assuming that there were students, but I'm sure that there were, you know, a, a wider range of They're builders and products people there. Late 60s, el elderly. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, you know, you could be 12 or 26, you know, it's roughly the same look. But yeah, it was, it was really good to certainly see a, like a proper local conference, you know, I've been around the world and uh, anywhere from Colombia to Portugal to Singapore, it's basically the same people traveling to crypto conferences everywhere, which is great. You know, we have fun, but if you want to see mass adoption, you certainly need to like reach the local people. So yeah, I, I'd be really curious to learn from the near Vietnam team and I see a couple on the, on the space 
what is that outreach? What does the marketing message look like? You know, once you get people through the door, what does that user journey look like? I know that we were testing a bunch of different um, activation and onboarding mechanisms from Shardog to the Takuno app. So, yeah, certainly a lot of lessons there for, for other conferences. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, the Cafe then, Cartel Shardog link, that was a very, uh, it was nice to be able to improve that flow as the days went on uh, as much as we could. Yeah, and, and then just some, some background on that. Um, for for near APAC, um, El Cafe Cartel sponsored the coffee. So all of the coffee that people were able to get was free. And in order to acquire your cup of joe, all you had to do was scan a QR code if you had a near wallet set up. Um, you would claim your shard dog link through that, or you would create your own uh, new near wallet. Very, you know, relatively quick and seamless process. But for 30 seconds to a minute of someone's time, they're able to get onboarded into near and get a free cup of coffee. Um, and I think, I don't know the exact numbers behind that, but it was well over 2000 new near wallets created um, just from, from that alone. So obviously, uh, went very well. I know, Brandon, you had mentioned there were some technical difficulties. Uh, Joe from Shardog had to ship like a hot fix maybe a day or so in, but still ran pretty smooth and everyone was able to get uh, some damn good coffee. But just kind of like, I guess, thinking about that from how can we continue to improve? Like, as far as the activations go, it seems like in a follow-up is so important. And, and I don't know if what the, what the right answer is for that. I, I think that in, in terms of most people being introduced into near um, getting a cup of coffee, that's probably, that might be kind of where the end of the line is. So like, what are things that, that we could do to follow up on that and, and get people re-engaged? And that's probably the, the, the next thing to think about. You know, yeah, that, that's actually, you know, that, that's a really good question. I think that, it's the beginning of the product thinking era. By the way, shout out to Coffee Cartel. They flew in the coffee from Australia, top roasters in Melbourne. I see Simo in the audience. Shout out to the beautiful people of Sydney. The There's a few things that we know, you know, let's call them the primitives. New York can have great user experience and coffee is delicious and everyone loves, you know, these legal drugs. But there's a layer of product thinking and design thinking that really comes into observation and just learning from seeing things in the wild. You know, as I was standing there at the coffee cartel watching people onboarding, it reminded me of, I'm trying to remember, some startup, basically the founders, it may have been Airbnb, they basically went to an Apple store and they put the landing page, like their product, into every single computer and they literally just stood there watching people at this computer store interact with the website and then just asking them questions. It was a very similar experience and that's where all the feedback that we gave to Joe came from. So for instance, the initial experience was too bloated. It's amazing that Shardog is able to direct you to like another page, but directing them to the Creatives DAO uh, near social was too much. Like it was like, am I creating a wallet? Am I claiming an NFT or am I going to a social media? So simplifying that experience was really important. The other thing, was, you know, I started telling people like, hey, if you tweet about it, I'll send you some near on the spot. So uh, the social engagement side, you know, that can be like an, another viral loop that can be looked into. And the third component, which sadly I figured out too late, was letting them know that when they create the wallet through Shardog, we actually get a list of all the wallets created so we can actually re-engage them afterwards. That is big because... I feel like a lot of people just like screenshotted the, the seed phrase and they'll forget, you know, most of these accounts, maybe burner accounts. But if you tell them that we actually have a list of those wallets and we can you know, do, do an airdrop later, or basically if we let them know that it's not transactional, because it seemed to me like they felt that nobody was looking at the wallet. Technically, nobody even knows which wallet belongs to them. And they just did something very basic to get a cup of coffee. So I think that, yeah, there's definitely a lot that we can do there to make sure that we can re-engage them. And yeah, I think that it's a, it was a beautiful learning experience. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd, I'd agree yeah. with you. I think a lot of people were 
kind of just doing it to get the transaction. Though I did actually see a, a decent amount of people do the extra steps and like save it. I'm not sure how many are going to be retained and remember their seed phrases, but there were a few people who were actually interacting with it more than just getting their coffee. And that was cool to see. But and, even in and the... ultimately, like the, the main thing though, I feel like is that, that follow-up incentive, like being able to say, Hey guys, like you did this, but stick around, keep, keep this in mind and pay attention because there's going to be, potentially a prize or a reward for, for doing this. And so getting them to, um, you know, see that and, and keep that in mind after they get their, you know, their coffee and create that wall, it's probably like the most impactful thing that could happen there. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I tried at the coffee booth and that worked really well, actually, um, I had already um, tested, you know, even like back in Korea last year, even if you tell them, sure, whatever, screenshot your seed phrase, that is actually a really valuable touch point when you let them know that on near you can replace your private keys. And for the people that are technical and understand how fucking amazing that is, it really clicks. And even if you're not super technical, it's just good to know that you can do it quick and dirty on the spot. Even if you're on like some shady Wi-Fi at a conference or whatever, you can always secure that account. And implicitly, you basically want to tell them like, hey, you know, pick a good name or whatever you do now, like it's sort of the beginning of a journey. Like it doesn't have to be a burner account. So I think that these are all the lessons that we're going to start um, gathering and uh, yeah, make sure that we, we build on them so that the next cycle, it's even better. Absolutely. Especially as the regional hubs continue to get spinned up and, and kind of maybe do some things similar to what near EPEC has achieved in other areas. Australia is um, next. But, oh yeah, baby. Hell yeah. Um, and then if I, so if I was listening to this right now and I had never been to Vietnam before or Ho Chi Minh, I would like be really curious about what it was like there. Like what was the country like? What were the people like? What was the city like? So I want to make sure we talk about that. But before we do, just kind of thinking about the overall vibe of the conference. Um, I'm not going to lie, like over the past maybe three months, I've been pretty bearish on crypto and web three it's just been you know kind of feeling pretty daunting everyone has a lot of people have kind of checked out and it's been hard um but going going to near apac um that feeling changed very quickly um it was pretty uh... pretty cool to see everyone again and also just like the f underlying fundamentals of near continue to like just over the past couple of weeks have really exploded so i think those two things combined it's it was insane to see kind of where everyone's at. But yeah, I mean, as far as like what people were most interested about in the near ecosystem, what people are concerned about, what were some of the things that stood out to you guys? I have a few in mind on both sides of the spectrum, interest, excitement, concern. Um, but I think maybe some of the really big deliverables obviously we we all know about boss we don't need to spend as much time there of course people are very excited about that was a a major talking point but some of the more newer um revelations or just things that have kind of come online uh the creator league with a little bit of controversy there um but still a seems to be a very um large gaming startup building effectively on near and then also what is it, Kiki, the payments app? Um, love if you guys have some background on that as well. Um, I have some some research that I did, but I think those are kind of the two of the big application or project level things that people were really talking about. Um, but anything else that you guys had that I haven't really dove into yet? I guess I'll go first. Well, first, I just want to say that it's beautiful to see the reaction and the experience of an American going overseas. <laughs> I think that I mentioned it uh, when I was in Korea and I had the same epiphany. Near in Korea is insane, just how big it is. Like, I was there a couple of months for Asia Biddle and it sold. And I think I said it at the time. I remember I was walking past a very noisy street and somebody had a bit of a road rage. I was saying that crypto is definitely more bearish. Like everything in the United States, it just feels more political now. 
and it's just a lot of talking and it's got a negative bias to it. But it's actually really nice that when you go overseas, you realize that, A, nobody gives a single fuck what's happening in the United States. It's very refreshing to just be isolated from all the noise and just to see people building. Very humble, very down to earth. It's more simplistic in a good way. I mean, especially in a bear market, the people that show up tend to be more interested in doing something perhaps around technology, perhaps around product, perhaps around solving something in the local market. So yeah, super bullish um, in APAC in general, uh, among other um, developing regions. And uh, yeah, around narratives, I didn't, I I guess to paint a full picture, the conference felt very upscale. You know, if you compare it with Neocon last year, it was a warehouse, very grungy. We had some water features um, after some heavy rain. <laughs> this was a, a pretty, you know, premium upscale conference venue at a, at a fancy shopping center. The visuals were stunning. Like the stage was incredible. You know, if, if we had had that stage with like Denver edibles, that would have been like, yeah, the trip of a lifetime. And... <laughs> In general, it was very spacious. Like, I really love that you had all the booths outside where you could walk and talk to people, get to know projects. It was engaging. Inside, there were two stages, like a main one and a side one. And in between, there was like a gaming area, just a bunch of people, computers, sort of social. There was a space with a coding challenge, which to me was insane. Like, a bunch of people around screens, like challenges that would go up, people were coding on their mobile phones and computers. Like there was just like a lot of different things. There was a huge NFT exhibition and gallery and people gathering around that, you know, various vendor booths, you know, Octopus Network was there, Calimera was there. It was just almost like a mini festival. You could walk around, get lost in the crowd, meet people. It, it wasn't, yeah, I, I thought it was great. It, it really struck the right balance between you can watch some talks, you can meet some projects, you can just have some fun and come with your friends. And yeah, I thought it was a, a, a great vibe. Yeah, and some of the, the vendors and businesses that were there weren't even really crypto related. There was like these massive drones, um, like four, four motored, four propeller drones that could probably even pick my big ass up. <laughs> so stuff like that was pretty cool to see. That's kind of interesting uh, to have a mix of, of different things for people to check out and, and have businesses that are outside of the space kind of hanging out as well. So I thought that was pretty cool. But then also one thing that I feel is really important um, that was available there was the job fair um, and the live interview process. So we, we mentioned that there were a lot of people that I thought were young. Uh, AVB thinks that they might just be um, how, how how people in Vietnam look, but I think there were some students, like a lot of students there, and the the job fair and the the live interviews were, you know, seemed to be filled every time I walked past. So if I was a student, being able to go and talk to different crypto companies and just other larger tech companies in the area and maybe get a job, I think that would be a pretty strong reason for me to want to attend. So I think that was a really good call by them to include that, and it was very lively yeah i think uh so shout out to the near vietnam hub team and everyone else that was there setting up the event it was a uh, really great there was a couple things that you know arose uh it was sad on day one the power plug couldn't support the espresso machine so that was a little bit hard but everything something always goes wrong at these uh, you know conferences organizing something like that is not an easy process and they were able to restore it relatively quickly and yeah the next day went on as planned it was great i think they did very good they killed it insanely impressed i think everyone was there was also the the greenhouse uh which has nothing to do with my initial association with like climate change or, or, or growing your own uh, weed. The Greenhouse was a startup, uh, like a peach venture. 
and there were some, I think, VC relationships as well. Like overall, it was a very well-rounded all the way from students looking for jobs to founders looking for money to people just discovering new tech. What you mentioned earlier around ventures that are not traditionally Web3 was really interesting to me as well because I know that we are in the process of looking for sponsors for NearCon. If you have anyone that may be suitable, um, let me know. There's a there's a team there uh, making introductions from the community. And I've been thinking for a long time, like, huh, usually we sponsor events where we want to be. But I had never really thought, like, who would pay to be a sponsor at NearCon? Like, last year was, like, Visa and some of the other, you know, the, the usual players. But it's interesting to see how now that we have much better positioning around the web 2.5, you know, big deals, user experience, you know, growing that user base of users that are not traditional degenerates, <laughs> which may be both smaller and perhaps less interesting from a, from a brand affiliation point of view. Um, there really is a massive scope. I do have to say that any drone or, or any vehicle really uh, from this planet or otherwise that is able to lift you <laughs> has some serious power. So kudos. Yeah, you better you better invest in that company. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're doing God's work. They can make that happen. <laughs> Nuclear fission to lift Americans. Damn. <laughs> take me for my... Take me from my shitter to my computer chair. It'd be a perfect use case. I'd spend thousands on that. <laughs> um, I mean, to be fair, though, the, the traffic in the city, and I think that was your second point, it's pretty intense. I mean, I, I'm getting used to it now. Um, I almost got hit by a truck this morning trying to cross the street. But it's uh, it's definitely like a lot of energy. One thing that I really like here, and it was the same in Korea, is that Coffee shops here are opened like till 10 p.m., some till midnight. Like there's a couple near me that are open 24 hours, which honestly I kind of love, especially, you know, working fully remote from Australia. I have like a lot of really late meetings. And the one thing that I hate when I travel, especially if I'm like all jet lagged, is waking up at 5, 6 a.m. in the morning and having to wait two hours to go buy a coffee. Those are like literally the worst two hours of my life. So, yeah, it's a very vibrant city, very young and, uh, you know, it's kind of chaotic, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as like the traffic goes, I, I was saying controlled chaos because you have it, people that I, I not necessarily obeying like laws per se, but respecting each other in the means that everyone's kind of just gobbling in and like making way for each other. Like if you're in a scooter, you're going to get out of the way of a car and they use their horns a lot. They, that's kind of like how they, they met, like push each other around and, and show everyone where they're at. They, they don't really use blinkers. They just use their horns. Um, and the scooter drivers will, will drive on the sidewalks when, when they need to, or the cars will go the wrong way on the road when they have to, but it's, it's an experience. Um, something that I hadn't really seen before. Yeah, I think as far as following the law, the only law that they follow is literally don't run over people and kill them. <laughs> Other than that, everything goes, really. And as far as, like, I, so one thing, too, about near APAC for the near community, um, it, felt, it felt very inclusive as far as the, when you look at NearCon, there's thousands of people in the near community at this conference. And so naturally you're going to have like clicks and, and people that are friends with one another. So they're kind of going to do their own thing and maybe projects will have their own parties. Maybe those parties will be exclusive, whatever, but ultimately you're not going to have many of the same people together all at once for, for after parties and things like that on, on many occasions. But with near APAC, it seemed like everyone was just able to hang out. Um, and it was pretty, pretty low key as far as just kind of meeting up scheduling things but you can sit down when i flew in sat down um at a, at a bar outside with oleg brandon um Illuin ft and just chilled out we were just hanging out outside and then uh jt from keypons was planning all sorts of crazy adventures for us and everyone was just able to go so you just had people from the near community that were just hanging out and it was it felt really nice. It was, it was super relaxing and a uh, very good time. Yeah, and I think that it really goes to both ends of the spectrum. 
it's great that no one feels like they're too big or too popular or even like too busy to just like hang out and share with other people. We've been invited like a couple of really random, I think, students that just tagged along. I don't think they said anything all night. They were just hanging out with us. But on the other end, if uh, if you've been around the new ecosystem and uh, you know you've been on on a few Telegram chats and you've things uh, you've seen things get a little bit rowdy, it was actually really nice that we can hang out in person, have some disagreements, but be really respectful and enjoy each other's. So that was that was really good, um, especially being able to have some of these conversations in person are always a lot more uh, productive and lead to a much better outcome. I'd say it's a it's, it's, I guess, Twitter spaces are a close second to having the conversations in person. So yeah, that was that was really good as well to know that even though it's the the midst of the election and you know all the GWG people were there, a lot of candidates were there, everyone's so civilized and so nice. So yeah, that's a that's a major bonus as well. And insanely good looking. <laughs> I tweeted about that, but I was just like. Holy shit! Like all everyone in the new community is fucking hot. <laughs> like, what the hell? I thought you guys were all basement dwellers. <laughs> so I mean, I think I think there's a couple that are in in long term relationships and having babies, but for the rest of us, we're all single. So I think that the the polycule in in, in Halong Bay is happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, no. there's a couple I, of things. Go ahead. I, I don't want to jump in if you have an agenda, but I, I do want to mention that the shard dog activation was amazing, but there were also other activations uh, not worthy. I think there were also some links at the Nearweek booth. The Mint-based wallet had a big release, and to me it was a massive, massive success, total game changer. And the Takuno app also had a pretty good uh run so yeah if, if you guys want to touch those at some point uh, that'd be great yeah I, I was actually about to jump into the the mint base activation that's the kind of the the one that i'm most familiar with um outside of the cafe the free coffee by el cafe cartel um but but what mint what mint base did and abb might have some more insight on this was you could go up and, and just like take your picture at their booth and instantly that picture would be turned into an NFT and would be live on chain. Uh, you can, I think, kind of see the the feed live on um, near as well. Um, so that was, that was really cool. And people were having a ton of fun with that. You could also just do it from your phone too. So people were just taking tons of pictures, tagging near APAC, and it was all just kind of, um, you know, fed through live via mint base. So that, that was really cool to see. Yeah, there's a couple of things that really stand out. We've got some great wallets in the near ecosystem. Shout out to Meteor and, and to Here Wallets, and among others. The crazy thing is, well, a couple. First one is that Mintbase was kind of building in stealth mode. <laughs> like, I first came across the the tweet, or I don't even know how it came about it. Oh, yeah, I came across it on, on Boss. It just appeared on my feed on Boss. Cameron Dennis was the first one to post a photo. That's how I discovered it. And I was at the airport in Jakarta, like literally hours before landing in Vietnam. So the main base wallet basically enables you to have a super smooth onboarding. They remove the need to have a seed phrase at all. It, cha- it The way they achieve that is by saving the seed phrase on your phone's keychain. So it's the same t- type of storage as the biometrics. And the application itself, which can be white labeled and anyone can use on their own settings, it's basically a shared feed where everybody was encouraged to share photos about near APAC. So it was a really nice way to basically capture the event in a crowdsourced way. All the fees were covered uh, by Mintbase, so users don't need to save a seed phrase, they don't need to pay anything, and all the photos were stored on our Weave, which is a pretty cool integration. The... What was I going to say? Oh, and the other thing that gets really interesting and perhaps slightly spicy is that if you look at the functionality, it actually achieves the same that FastAuth aims to do. So FastAuth works the same way, but it's got some shortcomings at the moment. So FastAuth only works on your.org. You know, you can't export your private seed phrase. And yeah, I think that 
the main base wallets is much more versatile as it is in its ability to be integrated into any user flow or any onboarding journey. So yeah, this is the second um, experience with, with that uh, shared feed of photos that they, they've done. There's actually a really good tweet from them recently. I'll try to find it and share it where they basically say, hey, like we've done this through great success. You can do it at your own event. Like customizing that integration is pretty straightforward. Um, and yeah, it, it's just exciting to see all the possibilities that open up once you can have that type of wallet. Yeah, and I mean, there's no doubt that that, that mint-based offering is going to be like a key feature of every near conference. Like I, I there's, it's that's um, huge and really cool. And it, it was fun too, like just being able to take pictures and, and just have it instantly uploaded. Um, super cool and, and good for them. So kicking ass. As and far I as a tweet. Um... Oh, I made yeah, a tweet ahead. about it. Just really briefly, I made a tweet about it and got a few likes, but nobody really commented on it. I'm really curious to see what the next steps could be around building like social experiences. Like say, for instance, if on that shared feed, you could like photos or leave comments on photos, or even just like people start like uh, following each other, so you can actually build. Uh, relationships from within the people that attend the conference so yeah i think that there's like so much room there for growth if you're listening to this and you're a hacker there's definitely a lot of potential there send me a dm <laughs> and then um this one has been kind of at the tip of my tongue um just as far as like some some things i was a bit surprised about in terms of what people are concerned about or might have some negative sentiment towards just because we've been spending so much time on the NDC and all of, all of the, the, the candidacy. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of concern around that. Um, and talking with people, I, I think the concern is warranted. Um, I think the, the two main categories that people are, are most um, concerned about would be one privacy. The fact that everything that you're, you're voting for is effectively tied to you as your, you know, kind of your, you as a person, but also your, um, your near address. And I think there, there's been plenty of papers that sort of dictate um, privacy when, when voting in a democratic process is, is very important. Um, so the fact that, that that's not really available um, to people is um, certainly a downside and, and it is preventing a, a decent amount of strong contributors um, from voting, participating in the voting process, uh, probably from maybe running as well. But privacy, number one. Um, and then number two would be the people that have been in leadership roles in the near ecosystem for quite some time that have, you know, in some ways been playing a very big role at controlling things and setting the tone for the trajectory of near which maybe there's cases where some of those people haven't, the community might not think they've done the best job, but they, through time, through building relationships, incentivizing community, et cetera, a lot of those people have gained a very large following and, and, and group of people that are, are going to vote for them no matter what. Um, and, you know, that can, that could possibly have some, Un unsatisfactory consequences. I, you know, in my opinion, it would be good to have some newer people um, fill some of those roles, and um, I, ultimately, a balance of, of of different people within the near ecosystem having that diversity of experiences of expertise um, is, is super important. And there's there's quite a few people that fear that we don't we we might not have that. Um, and if I guess the main thing that I think would be really good to do is just be vocal about it. If you do have those concerns, because it seems like what I see on Twitter is not necessarily the same as what I was getting back in conversation. So I think it, it'd probably be good for us as a community to make sure that we're vocalizing those concerns more um, because they're, they're valid and very important. 
I hear you. I I mean, uh, for context, if you look at something like the Transparency Commission, where I'm a candidate, the only candidate in the current top seven, uh, or, you know, the seven that would win if the elections close today, that I voted for is myself. <laughs> and the trend is similar across House of Merit and Council of Advisors. You know, if I had my first picks, I was kind of impressed that they're actually not up there. So there's a few possible explanations. The first one is that privacy also, privacy maybe having an unintended consequence of a lot of people waiting to vote, probably till the very last moments to avoid, you know, the tension of, you know, you vote for me, I vote for you, I don't want to vote for you, but if I don't, then you won't vote for me. It's, there's all sorts of like power uh, politics and power dynamics that I agree, you know, privacy should be a given and we need to work towards it for, for future elections. And uh, yeah, the other dynamics I think are people for various reasons. I don't feel like it's been communicated enough to the community, the actual power relationships, you know, at the top. So people may see as People may see institutions such as Aurora Foundation, Pagoda, Proximity, you know, maybe even like Calimero, you know, let's call them like the bigger ones. They may see them as interchangeable, when in reality, they have very different values, very different interests, and they may even have like specific uh, tension or, or differences among them. So I feel like that's a one thing to note. The other thing to note is that amongst leadership, GWG, you know, whatever people associate with NDC broadly, and I would even bundle creatives down, marketing down there, I personally feel like they ignored community feedback for way too long. And somebody DM'd me today, and the way that he described it was, this is basically a revenge election. What we're seeing is people at the top, they're coming in with the knives and there will be blood on the streets. Like there's going to be an absolute slaughter fest. But to be honest, I'm in for it. <laughs> like this fucking bullshit we've had for the last six months, 12 months, 18 months, reckless spending, ignoring feedback, belittling community members who come in with honest feedback, no mention or support for builders extremely self-serving entity like it's all over so yeah it's it's gonna be messy um it's not the outcome that i would have wanted or was expecting but to be honest as elon musk says the most entertaining outcome <laughs> is the most likely like there's there's still i think just under 50 percent of ogs that are yet to vote so things could look very different from what we have right now but i do feel like there's certainly a message being sent, which is interesting. Um. Absolutely. Yeah, facts. And I don't want to spend too much time on the on the NEC. I just wanted to bring that up because it stuck out to me um, through conversations. But um, diving into just like Ho Chi Minh overall, um, what's a city like? Would I recommend going there? Um, hell, hell yeah. Um, this for me, like, I honestly want to start running out my house in Seattle and just like living in this area of the world. Um, I think Ho Chi Minh might be a better fit for me than Bangkok, just based on my um, self-restraint problems. <laughs> I might, might not do well in, in Bangkok, Thailand for too long, but I think I would fit in well in Ho Chi Minh. Um, it's very cheap as far as prices for food for travel i mean you can go so far in the city for like a dollar with their um uber app um things like that. Bro, everything you, is just exponentially cheaper did you take bikes oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> no way <laughs> for real oh you do i take bikes every day yeah bro that's crazy no i i've, I I've only them in i've only had one I've only had one bike guy say, you're too big, and then drive off. <laughs> so I'm like nine for 10 right now. Because <laughs> I, right, I was really self-conscious. 
I was self-conscious in Bali. I mean, there's no other way to get around in Bali. The traffic is too bad. And I was self-conscious, like, damn, maybe I'm, like, bigger than the average. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to, like, balance the bike. Maybe we'll both fall and die. Uh, but, yeah, you're a couple of inches taller than me. So, yeah, I mean, respect. It's kind of like, you know, you, you can move a chicken's body around and its head stays in, like, the same direction. It's kind of like that. You just keep your center of momentum and things go pretty smoothly. Uh, haven't had any close calls yet. But, uh, it, it's fun. Um, and then, yeah, just as far as like waking up, getting some very good food, heading to the conference, hanging out, get some work done around like, I don't know, six o'clock, start having some drinks. And then before you know it, it's 3 a.m. and you're going to bed. So it was uh, just, yeah, an incredible city, very lively. Everyone's hustling. Um, so much fun. Uh, I think it's a key difference. And the good thing, you know, no matter where you base yourself, um, if you are on this side of the world, you can always, you know, short flights and keep exploring. After some experience in Korea, I was there for one month. Um, It just feels like very honest, hard work, hustling, down to earth. It's people that just want to do better. Like, Cafes open 24 hours, you know, packed with students, entrepreneurs. I don't know. There's something about the United States that feels a little bit superficial. People feel like they already made it. Maybe I'm definitely biased because the the more that I'm exposed is that entitlement and rottenness at the top. Like, oh, we don't need crypto because we already have other shit like Swift from whatever million years ago. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a good place to just do work, have a good life, and uh, yeah. I've heard, I mean, I personally loved Korea. I would definitely spend more time there, but I've heard that you really need to find that city that resonates with you. It's interesting that you mentioned that Bangkok, you you may lo- get lost in the, let's call it the, the distractions of the city. I've heard that Taipei has a, you know, that, uh, yeah. It's more, more of a hustle culture, so like a tech center as well. I don't know. I'd like to explore as well. Yeah. And I, as far as like the food goes, what do you guys think? Um, I was I was eating a lot of street food. Um, Brandon was eating a lot of banh mi's. But I think the, the cuisine was, was pretty, pretty fire. Um, personally, I, I do think I like Thai food maybe a little bit better. But uh, yeah, it was good. And it kept me kept me happy cleaned out all the uh, residual alcohol from the night before too so can't ask for much more than that i really enjoyed the pho but i'm like i don't really do too well in humid hot climates i sweat immediately so i'm just always sweating and then i'm drink drinking eating like hot soup as well it's it's something i've got to get used to <laughs> i i had some uh, digestive issues earlier in the week so i'm trying to keep it simple although shout out to near vietnam and kent is actually on the space right now they took me out for dinner this uh, tonight and uh, i had to very politely refuse uh, goat brain and other um, you know, local delicacies and yeah i think you get used to it over time i i was never really exposed to asian food in general in venezuela and uh, you know australia has like all sorts of really high quality um, Asian food. So I've known for a while <laughs> that I'm missing out. And uh, yeah, I, I think that over time, as you discover, uh, discover more of what's available and, and what you know suits your palate, you can definitely make it work. But yeah, I've been uh, I've been very cautious this week. It's uh, it was a little bit rough at some point. Not gonna lie. <laughs> the- it- it feels like way healthier. The, I don't know the, the food. Just like in comparison to America, I I don't know. It's I don't know what what they put in that that shit in America. What kind of hormones they they've stuck in all the meat? But it it just doesn't. I don't know. It feels way more clean eating over here. Um, even even I guess food that might make your tummy upset. Luckily, I, I haven't had any of that happen yet. I did have some cold chicken yesterday. That was I was a little bit um little bit worried about but uh we're, we're still good right now so hold them strong when i first got to yeah. vietnam the uh near vietnam hub team took us out and 
yeah we also got to try a bunch of stuff they had a like chicken cartilage like fried chicken cartilage and all this different stuff like it was wild i loved it was it good well some of the stuff was um some was it was interesting um yeah after a while my stomach kind of was like so i had to like tone back down i ate a lot of bon mi's because it was bread soaked up everything it helped Dude, best bread I've had in a very long oh, yeah. time. <laughs> I mean, I was low carb for you know almost two years in Australia, and I should go back to it when I get back. But, um, wait, Lear, to your point, like we don't even realize how much poison we're taking in. Let me tell you a crazy story from Indonesia. So the first night in Jakarta, I stayed at the Paras office. Uh, I, I crashed there overnight. So in the morning, I'm like, you know, just dying for a coffee. There's like a convenience store next door. I just went in, bought some iced coffee, and I saw a box of Fruit Loops. And I hadn't had Fruit Loops in like 10 years or more, maybe 15 years. And I was like, fuck it. So I just grabbed the Fruit Loops, go back to the Paras office with my iced coffee and Fruit Loops, you know, strong start to the day. <laughs> and both Edward from Meteor Wallet and Ricky from Paras asked me like, What's that? And I was like, you guys have never had Fruit Loops? And they were like, no. And I was like, damn. So I tried to explain it to them. And I was like, okay, so this is what we give to American children to poison them. <laughs> and then when they're really high in sugar, we give them Adderall to bring them back down. And they were like, what? For real? And I was like, there's some truth in there. You know, it's not that far off. Uh, but yeah. At some point, we just got a little bit out of control with all the chemicals processed, and additives. processed sugars. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more. But, but yeah, guys, like um, I think we're all I think we all share the same um, sentiment that Vietnam and Ho Chi Minh is an incredible city, and I can't wait to hopefully um, come back next year for the conference, and would highly recommend everyone to do the same. Um, Usually when I when I go travel, I feel like kind of I, I'm longing to go home. Um, in even in at <clears throat> NearCon last year, uh, towards the end of the trip, I was ready to go home, but I um, have have no such feeling now. I'm just thinking about like what I got to do to be over here full time. So I think that says a lot just about the quality of the people um, and and everything else in the area and. Uh, would would love to be more part of it. It's awesome to hear. I think uh, Russ, uh, GWG, Proof of Vibes Russ, I think he's also planning to stay in Vietnam like longer term. Uh, somebody told me today, don't quote me on that, maybe send him a DM. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, it's not really quite close to Australia, but somehow it feels a lot closer. So it'd be great to see more people traveling and, and get more connections across all all of new ecosystems yeah and and i you know i think that's like one of the biggest external value propositions for people that work in our industry the ability and freedom to travel and and work wherever you are in the world Uh, and i think you know not taking advantage of that especially in the younger years when you don't have a family and things like that and make it a lot more challenging. I think you're, I think for me, that would be a bad move. I think I, I need to take advantage of that. So this was a, a good test run to see if, if, if it's possible. But yeah, I mean, what about what, anything else guys? We, I think we covered most things about the conference, tried to give a pretty good outline, um, hanging out with, with people, um, I, you know, I didn't even realize at first, like Seleko, um, who he, like we were hanging out, we were, we were talking and partying. I didn't even realize it was him until the next day. Same with like Rimjack. So finally getting to put faces to names um, was super cool for a lot of those people that I haven't met yet. Um, but yeah, I think I'd love to hear mm-hmm. if you guys have anything else. Any surprises? Like meeting the human behind the avatar did they, did they match the yeah. image you had of them in your head? There, there was a lot of surprises. Um, I didn't expect the the near week guys to look like supermodels. 
Um, Russ, I didn't think he would was going to look like that. Same with like Rimjack, even though Rim Rimjack looks exactly like her her profile picture somehow. <laughs> um, so yeah, there there were lots of surprises for me, but they were all um, pleasant surprises for sure. Yeah, it's funny, especially for me. It's weird because technically my face is everywhere. I mean, others have been very public with the with the podcast and the YouTube and and other things like I share photos on Twitter. So people come to me like AVB, and I'm like, who are you? But yeah, it was it was really good to be able to associate. Sometimes it's like, like I've got the PFE in my head, but they tell me like their Twitter handle or like their their pseudonym which I love. It's hilarious. It's like, oh, my name is Jack. It's like, no, I'm like Pizza Boy 69 I was like, oh my God, it's you. <laughs> Those are the, the quirks of crypto that keep me around. It's just too funny. Yeah. Those, um, I, yeah. And, you know, I wonder if the pseudo anonymity is, is kind of starting to fade away. I see more and more people posting, you know, not using their NFT for profile pictures, more people using their actual face. And I I think we're going to see more of a trend of of people kind of going just like fully who they are. Of course, there's nuance to that, especially with regulation and and privacy, of course, is a very core tenant to, to crypto. But it does seem that way to me, that more people are kind of trending towards presenting who they are in real life. I think that as long as people have the choice, like you're not, you know, compelled or obliged to scan your bloody face to vote, for instance. (laughs) But I also wonder whether we're just entering a different stage of the cycle where it it is harder to find a PFP that you resonate with. Like, for instance, if, if you're entering the ecosystem today, those days of, you know, picking up, a collection that it's kind of hot at the time are gone. I mean, a lot of collections are actually almost like a liability if you have them on or, or you know, it may just have a very different reputational uh, tone to it. So, yeah, I feel like some people will stick with the ones they had a long time ago, mostly because it's part of your identity, almost like a, like a drunk family member that you can't deny. But going forward, it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like perhaps a good example that i've been pondering on may start a new underground propaganda machine when do you think Ilya is going to change his pfp like near nuts left it near ecosystem like a year ago <laughs> it'd be good to see him put a new pfp but there really isn't anything new i don't know i reckon the tinker union may come back or we could have his his photo maybe we can photoshop a crazy dragon behind him yeah, I'm uh I'm on the the tinker train right now, so that's that's where I'll place my bets because I'm I'm loving everything those guys are doing, um, and meeting up with them in person just kind of solidified that. So, yeah, pick up your tinkers before uh before they are too expensive to do so. I'm sure I'm sure they'll be reasonably priced for quite some time, and there's probably plenty of people that would just love to give you one. But uh, check it out what what they're doing, and I think. They're going to be um, making some pretty big waves. Not financial advice, not a security, not the SEC, sorry. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. If you're buying NFTs for investment purposes in 2023, I got got an oceanfront property in Arizona to sell you. (laughs) If you're buying NFTs for investment purposes, yeah, you, you need, like, professional help. But, yeah, guys, cheers. It was, uh, it was an incredible time at Near APAC. Um, again, just want to give a massive shout out to everyone on the Near Vietnam Hub uh, for making that happen. Putting together a conference with, I think you said 20,000 attend- in attendance is a massive feat. Um, and you guys executed it perfectly. So uh, hats off to you and next year will be even better. Any closing remarks from you guys? I've given the feedback to the team. The e-visa situation definitely needs improvement for next year. It's honestly really poor reflection on us 
I think it may show some sense of entitlement that we didn't think or thought for a moment that we needed a visa going into Vietnam. Uh, but yeah, I've heard some crazy stories from paying hundreds of dollars at the airport to having to buy second flights to being you know rejected at the airport, having to go to like other cities in the vicinity of the region to get in. It was something that was a lesson for a lot of us. And yeah, maybe just a simple email reminder like, hey, if you're coming from overseas, be sure to check the visa requirements. Sounds silly. Yeah. Honestly, we should all be adults. But as a as a host organization, you know, if you're going to send an email out, that would be a, a great one to receive. <laughs> yeah, there was also some issues with like not accepting boarding passes on mobile phones like we, we were able to be okay but i heard uh johannes he he they turned him away he had to go and like print out the boarding pass in order for them to scan it it was really interesting on the way back yeah i think there's there's certain optimizations that are um due to happen there um in in the the visa and just boarding processes but hopefully uh hopefully those happen it shouldn't be too hard to bring things up to snuff, but who knows? All right, guys. Clear, if you move, do move to the region, looking forward to seeing you next time. You'll be tanned and ripped. <laughs> Damn right, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. I, I will, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll kick it in Ho Chi Minh. We'll have uh, some more good times in store. Cheers, guys. Talk soon. See you at the Polyculin Howling Bay. Bye.